I lived in Virginia for college, moved to Alaska after Virginia, moved down to South America after that. This is the interview from the Y Milbank Podcast Studio in Milbank, South Dakota. Um, uh, we have in, well, not in studio. Um, it's kind of in studio. <laughs> kind of in studio. We have uh, on the phone with us, Corey Horn, um, who I got to know, man, when did we actually meet the first time? Do you remember? I was trying to think about that. It had to be uh, five years ago at this point. Oh, at least, yeah. And, you, and I was actually, I think it might have been closer to seven. I was just looking through my uh, 2012, June 24th, whoa. 2012. <laughs> that was so. That was a, long a lot longer. Ago. Totally. Yep. Um, time kind of just doesn't exist, though, it, you know? It's crazy. <laughs> um, you are the bass player for Remedy Drive, the the band. Um, I am. Also known as that is, the true. hair. Do you have a oh, hair? You always had long mm. hair, right? As long as I've <laughs> known you, you've had huge hair. Yeah, I think I'm going on uh, eight years now. Uh, ever since I left left college, I just kind of let it go. I mean, I've trimmed it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it's let never... it go. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I told my wife when uh, at our wedding the day before, I was like, well, I'm just going to shave my head tomorrow. And so you're going to turn that aisle to come down, and uh, I'm just going to be bald up there. And she's never seen me without hair. And she, she's like, I'll, I'll just turn around and walk out. Right, like, yeah. she's you're like, done. I, I'll be ter- She's like, I'll be terrified. I won't know you. <laughs> stranger <laughs> right oh i think that I, I i kind of i don't know did i i know i took a picture of you because i that's what i do for a living um on daryl leeby's jeep i think i think you did and, and you i were standing I up looking very somewhere. regal regal <laughs> hair blowing in the wind uh, and that, uh, that, that was picture has a... actually circulated a lot of places. It was phenomenal. <laughs> well, it, it was a great shot. <laughs> well, it, it was fun. And that kind of was the beginning of whatever this thing has become, which I didn't realize it was that long ago. My word. Yeah, it's a lot of years coming. And they all kind of, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago. No, because um, that was, what, seven, six years ago now. So yep. you guys, man, how many times have you been to Millbank? Do you know as a band? I could look because I have all of our whole calendar in front of us that I had pulled up to see when we were there. Let's see. Glad you were prepared. So Good work. I think I think I was oh, one, two. I think we've been there four or five times since I've been around. I would think um, so. At least through. I don't think we've played that many times. I know that we've been there um, and been through at the very least. But I think and I think be coming through if we had that together. Yeah, I've been in Melbourne probably eight or nine times at least. Um, and, and that really uh, is the reason, well, uh, th- that's the reason you're on this show specifically because uh, the Millbank is in your, your life in the last several years. It's been in there somewhere. Now, along with absolutely. F- 50 other little communities, I'm sure. And um, Yeah, but there's something special with you guys because the, so you, you know, you, you have friends kind of, you meet all over the, the world and it's amazing, but there's not a lot of people that you are actively able to communicate with and that's i mean it's just strictly a time thing and um and so uh, one thing that's been special about you guys is that the i've actually developed really great friendships with with people in millbank and uh and getting to talk to them and you know daryl actually texted me last night and um i'm gonna help ian out with uh, one of his songs that he was was just starting to write and oh, did some lyrics cool. to and so my relationships are still very active. You and I talking over the years and mm-hmm. uh, Tom and just so many people from around there that have just made us. It, it feels like a, another family that's just a little far away. That you see every now and then. <laughs> yep. And you remember. And you still actively. But... <laughs> and you, you still. No, it's still active communication. Yeah, like, that's you know, true. We, we talk about life and we live life. And um, Daryl built an incredible fire pit for me. And it, <laughs> Oh, really? It, you have one of those? Yeah. Awesome. It, it's immaculate. Yep. Um, he's he's an artist and, a, and a genius. That Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. Um, his family's just beautiful. But cool. they, yeah. So uh, the relationships are still go on, and that's not a common thing among all the places that I go. You know, um, it, it's just harder with some than others, and some are just around, and it's spectacular. Now, would this probably is not the question to ask you, but you can play a lot of instruments, correct? Yes, I I can. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. What's your what, What's your first instrument? Like the one you love the most. Like what do you go to? I kind of varies. So to to give you a little quick background, I started. Um, my dad 
played drums and saw my mom at a dance when they were 14 and 15 and looked at her from the stage while he was playing and said, I'm going to marry that girl. And they're about to celebrate 50 years of, of marriage. Um, so like, I think it right. kind of ran, it, ran in the blood uh, from it for sure. And growing up around him playing. And um, so drums, drums were the first thing I actually picked up. And then uh, when I was five, I started classical violin uh, and did that for a number of years. I've really enjoyed it. And um, that that's where my big focus was until I realized that I could run around with this thing called a guitar mm -hmm. and it was way less stress than getting in a tux and playing because that was that was pretty high stress levels of things and uh, I found music that I loved and ended up going to school for classical and jazz guitar and vocal uh, vocals so um, and after guitar I, you know I played all the way up through through high school through college and um I, I kept picking up, I kept using my violin and kept playing quite a bit. I've gotten to play with some really great artists playing uh, fiddle. Um, I got to play with for King and Country uh, a couple of years back, and, and that was just a blast getting to jump on the stage with Timmy. And that was that was wonderful. And some country artist things. So I'll, I kind of picked them up as I go. So a lot of the, what I'm doing programming wise is on the keyboard, and I'm playing a lot of keys. Mm -hmm. And then um, I do a lot of the drum tracks here myself just to get ideas down. and. Uh, kind of all of them. I do cello. I have a big cello project uh, this week that I have to get wrapped up, and so it the the fun for me is kind of never ending because I'm I love playing all of these instruments, and so to be able to to use them all, especially because my my primary job is producing, uh, is is what I've been doing. So a lot of a lot of people that are coming in with all kinds of stuff, it's really fun creating all the elements at some point or another we got mandolins banjos steel guitars um, slides of all kinds basses and ukuleles and all kinds of toys um, didgeridoos you know so um, that kind of stuff is really fun but it there's not I, don't, I wouldn't say there's a, a specific one as far as touring i love playing acoustic guitar and singing bgvs for artists i think it's a a great uh, that's probably where i really enjoy or electric um, but being the the support to to a lead singer is, is often fun for me, but I do all of my own stuff too. Um, but as far as like playing and performance wise, I, f I feel like that's where I, I really enjoy a lot of it. At any point growing up uh, in school, was there ever the conversation with your parents, you know, you really need to pick something that you're going to make money at <laughs> or, or was it, this is what you love and what you're good at. You need to run. Cause the, the stigma is, Oh, if you're in the arts or in music, you, you really should actually get a real job. And clearly it, it can be a real job. Yeah, and I the, were you pushed so, were you pushed a certain direction? So my parents were my absolute greatest fans and everything. It was I think because the music was there beforehand, I I kind of had a great support. So my dad who loved music who didn't have a profession in music, um he's he's a entrepreneur and um he's a businessman and he because he loved music so much, he was really good at business, so naturally he didn't go into he didn't want to be a full-time drummer um was he good enough what to be? he man he's a soulful soulful dude yeah. he sits in that yes he's he he absolutely could have if he wanted to because it was it was a different era of playing and style and um yeah he was solid he just played like those old 40s through 60s tunes that um were great all, all kinds of big band stuff and yeah it was fun uh, even now, so he's got, we got him a little electric kit like a year ago. Really? And so he's just starting to play again. And I went in, I went home like a month ago and he was just sitting there playing. I got him a huge amp that he's, he can actually really, it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, it was, it's pretty gratuitous of a setup, but he didn't want real drums. So I, uh, I, he's got all of his old vinyl and he's just sits and plays with his vinyl. It's awesome. That's cool. Um, where so did you as far as support though? Oh, no, um, go ahead. No, fin in, finish that thought. In support, though, that I think that's rang true for it. So I ran into a lot of, for me, the the split came between music or sports, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a you have to pick one. I love sports growing up. I I played all the, I played soccer. It was my, um, of course, that was something that I kind of <laughs> lived by, you know. And uh, so it was, it was music during the day, soccer at night, and it came to a place there just wasn't enough time for either. So I kind of had to pick, um, and music was uh, far more intriguing as far as what I really would have liked to have done. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to, you know, chase the other, but it, it definitely came to a splitting point. And I think my parents never said you won't make money or anything like that. Like there was never any 
pullback or pushback from it. It was actually quite the opposite. Like if you're going to do this, you're going to do it and you're going to commit to it. Right. And they supported it a hundred percent when they knew that I wanted to chase violin, they paid ridiculous amount of money to get me the best training that I possibly could have had. So I would be good at it. And I had incredible teachers and my parents, it, you know, back then, uh, they didn't have much money. They, I mean, we didn't come from like a bunch of money. So they, they did extend themselves. And I knew that. And I think that might've been like it's way more of a responsibility knowing that mm-hmm. at that point for me because I understood money a little bit um, to do that to execute it well. Although I was, I mean, I was a terror of a child. My my poor parents—they're the sweetest people <laughs> in the world. But I, uh, yeah, I so I didn't feel any pushback. I knew that if that's what I wanted to do, then I wanted to do it. But it was absolutely came with you have to do school, mm-hmm. it, get through high school, you know, get 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 through that. And, where, where did you go? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in South Florida, down on the southeast coast, a town called Port St. Lucie. Um, it's just north of West Palm Beach, about 40 minutes, and it's a phenomenal place. Um, sunshine and ocean, and um, I love I love South Florida. And now you live in Nashville. Is that, it, and is now that because Nashville. of the industry you're in? Like, like proximity yeah. matters? Yeah, well... When, when I uh, I actually vowed that I would never move to Nashville, um, <laughs> I think that's part of where faith comes into. There's been a lot of times that I've, if I learned anything, it's I don't know anything, but I know not to tell God no about stuff because right. that I won't do something because I feel like that just manifests as soon as I start talking mm-hmm. about it. Uh, but I was like, no, I'm never moving to Nashville. I just didn't want anything to do with what it was, what I thought it was. Right. Um, and so, but it, I mean, I lived all over, and when I took I moved to, I lived in Virginia for college, moved to Alaska after Virginia, moved down to South America after that, and we lived in Colombia. What? Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of bounced around a bit. I kind of just, I was a nomad for a while. Um, Why doing all kinds of just For the coffee? So, uh, no, no <laughs> bummer of a situation. I love coffee. Uh, the most of Colombia drinks instant coffee. Are you kidding? I know. I'm dead serious. I got down there so excited to try coffee. And then a lot of places that I went, it's a, it's just very common to drink, uh, drink instant. So Nes, it, it, Nescap is, it a, is the so deal. So it's an S it, it's a, an export product. Predominantly. Wow. Yeah. It was. And if you could, if you did find it down there, it was, it was pretty expensive, um, for what it was. And some of the grocery right. stores had them, but it's, I never had, I think I had one fresh batch of, of coffee while I was down there. And what year was this um, that you were in? Columbia. It was 2011. Wow. Nope, 2000, 2010, 2011. And you, uh, what was your job? Or were you just living on the street? Uh, it was end of 2010. Yeah, so the, uh, well, I, I'm a buddy of mine, was we were living in, he was up in northern Alaska, and I was in the southern tip of Alaska, a little island called Ketchikan. Yep. And he, he said, he met this Colombian girl he, uh, when he was, a missionary in China and he was going to move to Colombia to be with her and asked me if I wanted to go. He's like, we, we kind of have it set up and they partner with uh, an organization called YWAM and they yep. kind of work with YWAM a bit. And so they have a, a pretty big base in Cartagena, which is a city right up on the uh, Northeastern coast. And uh, it's, spectacular and so i lived down there for for a bit and moved down there with him just to kind of go and work with ywam a little bit did some music stuff um kind of we busked a lot that was amazing you what um and you say busk busk b-u-s-k have you heard that term before no busking is it's essentially playing on the street for money it's it's really the what that is it's uh you're just playing and panhandling yeah i mean essentially (laughs) yes absolutely um busking is is uh common term used in the, yeah. the industry to, to what it is so you're um yeah people travel all over doing it and some people performers that busk uh yeah it wasn't about the money it was about playing you have a bunch of american guys and uh korean guys and um i mean just so many different nationalities sitting playing music people That's hang cool. out and it's awesome so it was it was way more of a experience mm-hmm. uh, in that but um i loved it down there uh, my buddy ended up getting married he's they're doing wonderful they moved to china after uh, and now they have a little girl that's awesome, uh, but uh, then I moved back to the states and Ju- when I was just working, to come back, or did you have like you came back for something specific? I came back for a wedding. My um my childhood best friend got married, okay, and so I came back into town. And while I was in town, I got offered 
a full-time touring gig uh, with a new organization. This was years ago, but it uh, that organization didn't end up working. I took the job, didn't necessarily work the way it was supposed to, and um, ended up getting contracted back to – I went to Liberty University in Virginia. Okay. So I I did audio, Ballwell's video. Ballwell's organization? It is. Yeah. So I, I got contracted back every year for their production because they wanted me to just contract in for – doing a one of their big performances every year it's a festival new year's thing that they like, do so did you play I, I would, I, or did you produce i was doing live production so we were i was setting stage and speakers and lights and and all of that kind of stage managing okay uh for the event and i ran into that's the same same concert that i met david at with his brothers a year earlier and so david was there at that same one with new guys and um they played and we chatted a little bit. I met him the year before we had some good conversations. And then at the end of the night, he, he's like, do you, do you want to play in my band? <laughs> it's like, do you want to, you want to play bass in my band? He'd never heard me play. He, you know, we talked for a bit, but, um, didn't really know anything about me. And, and he asked and, uh, he said, I said, yeah, let's, let's figure it out. Let's chat. Uh, and I moved from Florida to Nashville two weeks later, not knowing any of the guys, we were all brand new and, jump we played for we practiced for like a half hour or no a couple hours uh talked to each other for just a little bit packed up the bus and drove straight to florida to play our first weekend together and that was seven and a half years ago just that it started and it's just kept going so i moved i moved to nashville just for music okay and you're 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 talking about david zach who is the founder of remedy drive is this true uh he yeah he started the band with his brothers uh so there was four of them originally and then his brothers just wanted to get off the road, and um, and that's kind of, David wanted to keep going. And was he so the like was he the brain behind the whole thing from the beginning? No, it was definitely a, a collaboration. Okay. They're they're all really talented guys. Phil, uh, his brother Phil Zock is has the Grid Studio in Lincoln, and he is a, is a great producer, and that's what he's been doing, and he's killing it. Uh, and then uh, his brother Paul took a job. I think he's in Charlottesville now, and then I think Dan's. Uh, still in Lincoln, uh, but they all are very good at. Um, Paul is a great guitar player, and they all. It was a team team effort for sure. Did you have any thought at that point that that would become the next eight years? No, goodness, no. I had no idea. I didn't honestly think it was going to last more than like a month. Really? When I started, yeah, it was just getting. Uh, there were so many dates on the books, and there was so much in total chaos because he was shifting over from the way that they had run things for 15 years. Right. Uh, so trying to, you're constantly playing catch up and then we were gone. I didn't have furniture in my house for the first two and a half years because if we were gone, David didn't even live in Nashville yet. So we were torn from, he was in Lincoln uh, and then we'd end up being in Chicago a lot because he moved there for a bit. And so if we were off or had a couple of days in between, we just stayed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was never home. Um, so I didn't even know Nashville, you know, until a couple of years ago. Was uh, the Remedy Drive gig, was that a full-time tour situation or was it kind of a seasonal? It was, we we weren't on, we did a couple tours with artists, but we were predominantly just doing our own headline dates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it would be, we would be touring on one of our albums. Um, we'd play, you know, we do all the festivals and, and things like that. And that was, that was always a good time. We've got to go over to, to Germany. We're actually heading to Denmark um, in two weeks. We'll be playing over there. So um, it was, it was, excuse me, full-time uh, when we all started, there was, there was five of us right when I jumped on that, that all went for it. So um, yeah, it was full-time, hundred percent, nothing, no time for anything else. And it was, it's been great since then. We've, we've cut down a ton of dates. We've uh, been home a lot more. His kids have grown up a lot. We all got married uh, so life has just just changed and um, you started being evolved, an adult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's it's. I would say that one year on the on being on the road and touring, particularly how we were doing it, which is how a lot of a lot of guys are, is um, is probably the equivalent of three years wear on the body. Wow. Like legitimately between sleeping and eating and um, you know, again, we just drove seventeen hours back from Colorado Springs. So there's not, you know, there's no no glamour. Yeah, like in a yesterday, lot of it. right? Yeah. So it's, you're kind of, you're busting it quite a bit. And, um, yeah, your body just is not, it's not meant to function like that in a lot of ways. So, 
um, yeah, we've, I feel like we've been a lot healthier now that we've been just way more intentional about mm-hmm. touring. So it's been good for all of us, but, That's crazy. uh, with the year I got married, I was gone 300 days. I, I was playing in another band uh, called Zealand. And oh then yeah. I was, yeah. Sorry. You know, and a, kind, of, kind of a nobody situation there, right? <laughs> it was a, uh, it was just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Zealand, uh, the, the main guy is Phil Joel. Yeah. Yeah, was, so we um was he the bass player for Newsboys from the beginning? He was, yeah. He uh and he's actually back again with them right now. They're on a tour. I believe it's still going. It might have already passed, but um they are out doing a reunion Newsboys tour. But yeah, he was the the original one that stepped in and uh, so reunion yeah. with the original members? Or are they I still think running it's with Peter um, uh their uh the DC Talk <laughs> frontman. Uh, yeah is he still their singer uh, their front man yeah so now okay. it's it's current newsboys and so i think zealand's opening and then it's I, I don't know somehow they they combine both of the all of them they're all together wow because why not so right? that, that tour's going on yeah so i it's going well i talked to phil um i talked to phil a couple weeks ago and he said it was going great That's so awesome. um yeah so I, I did zealand for a while and um picked that up and then was doing Remedy Drive, and then I was playing. I actually play a good bit in the country circuit um, in Nashville here, so and travel around. So I do during the week. I was really busy with uh, radio dates, so I would go with the country artists to radio stations and play or do presentations. Just really um, like live in studio kind of stuff. Yeah, so we was doing quite a bit of that in the the country world, and uh, that was a blast. That was really fun. So I do that during the week, and then I'd fly to meet Remedy or Zealand or both. you know, a lot of times we'd overlap at festivals and things, so that was good. But then, and I was also building my studio, um, so it wow. was a, uh, it was a, it was a big year. Um, and when I got married, I decided I wanted to be home a little more, so I kind of backed off from a lot of things. Well, that makes some sense. So now, do you only like go out on tour with Remedy Drive at this point, or are you you still open for other short gigs? We do, as far as Remedy Drive itself. Mm. Well, no, you specifically. Like oh, are, are so, you are yes. you exclusive to them now? No, no, I'm I'm exclusive. I'm, I'm doing a number of things, and I'm playing mm-hmm. with a number of artists. I actually have another uh, another artist here that I have some stuff with. I'm I'm touring intentionally, if you will. Uh, it's it's been with um, Remedy as well as a, a number of artists. Uh, this girl's her name's Taylor Acorn, and she's phenomenal. But we have some dates coming up, um, and and mostly. Uh, getting off there. So my goal this last year for the first time that I, I hit and it went, went really well was to segue from being with touring. You have to be on the road to make money and to right. sustain you. You have to be touring on your music. And, uh, last year I, I decided that I, I did want to tour less. So when I backed off of a lot of things, uh, I wanted to segue to being home more and, um, and producing and songwriting. And uh, that's everything from other artists to film and TV kind of stuff, cinematic things, and um, to just doing tracks for people. So, and and myself as an artist, you know, I had um, some stuff that I just released uh, with a couple different people. I have another one on the way, uh, but just under my own name, under you know Corey Horn. Uh, and so that that's been phenomenal, and I'm really enjoying the creative element and being able to work with people all over the world on a number of uh, really fun things. So. Um, I've, I've enjoyed that a lot. And so touring is still active, uh, remedy. I mean, this month I'm out every weekend and then I'm overseas and then, uh, come back and, um, I, I love playing uh, with all kinds of music and, and all kinds of fun things. So, um, it, it just varies all the time the with, with what's coming. Bright off your pretty eyes, like the keys to the city, couple streets reflecting all of the fire. Drowning in mystery, oh, start the night, you and I. Is this you? It's falling from its falling. It is. Is this that's your uh, vo- your vocals? That's me singing. This song, Burn Tonight. Uh, if you search on the Spotify for Corey Horn, you'll find this track. Uh, what what is this? Is this just a uh, a passion project you have? Or so is this I like a, a this was a. This was a collaboration uh, with myself and a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Jay Wan, and he is a Nashville-based producer who's just a spectacular tracks and visionary and um, creator. And so we, we work together quite a bit um, on on a, our own projects, on projects together with artists. And so um, we 
he had this idea for the track and um, sent it over to me and I had I had the song written in in less than 20 minutes really um, it, it like it hit me it was one of those I kind of heard it and it just it just happened and uh, we were both really excited about it it went through a, a number of different kind of versions till we settled on this but um, yeah he we kind of wrote wrote through it together and um, and then we released it uh, about a September I think is when it dropped and actually we just talked before uh, you and I this morning and we're gonna we have an acoustic version of it dropping um, here in the next couple weeks so awesome. uh, that'll, yeah. that'll be done too is this like a, a single thing or are you guys gonna attempt to do more collaboration together so as a producer you you kind of are I'm doing a lot of tracks and then having guest vocalists on them so this one was special because it was him and I and we're, we're working together a lot on joint projects um, they're a lot of the projects that'll be out will be both of him and I working on, uh, and then. But as far as he he is J1 and he is an artist, mm -hmm. uh, and then I am I am Corey, you know, as as an artist as well. So uh, we'll have a number of other things, but I'll have guest artists with, and a lot of my stuff is going to just be collaboration from now on, because um, okay. I just so, you know, dearly love working with people, and I think the the creative element's amazing. At least for this kind of stuff, this is the pop, EDM dance pop stuff, yeah. and and that that'll keep going. But I have a an ambient project that's working right now that's going to drop soon uh, and then uh, and that one's also with Jaywon um then that that'll be something totally different but do, uh, do you ever see yourself yeah. creating a product that you would then go out and tour on yeah i think that's one of the things right now is i've, I've actually been talking to uh, a couple booking agencies about um, starting to do edm dj you know kind of dance dance mm -hmm. stuff uh, and touring as as Corey horn uh, with that and so that's been something that's been in the works but uh, time-wise hasn't um, I'm, I'm being patient with all of it but I, I think it's I've already had some things come in where uh, I'll, I'll probably start in the in the fall that's crazy um, the violin was that your first instrument that you really were interested in yeah a hundred percent I, I mean, I did. I like drums because we had drums. I used to sit at the piano a lot and just I could always play by ear, but I I couldn't read music until I was older. But can I, you uh, play the violin by ear? Yeah. Or is I, that yeah, I can uh, do, is that more difficult? The violin by ear is. Or is it easier? Is it can be easier because you kind of have the space to explore. But I didn't know how to do that until later. Uh, much later it was very, it was so methodical in the beginning of reading methods and studying and um, kind of applying them mm -hmm. and classical music isn't necessarily as free um, but right. I you know and so learning learning that was there but as far as and reading reading it as what I know the notes are versus reading it playing piano is a totally different thing um, but I never had like the formal younger piano training um, but I had some in, in college that I had to do a lot of back and do it again, uh, for even like with if I have kids at some point um, then I would recommend that uh, uh, most people teach their kids starting on piano uh, because I think that it trains the ear to a much broader image of, of music um, it, it opens up their capacity to start then from there whatever instrument they would want mm -hmm. um, I think it's and it's so apparent in all music as you were doing it. So anyway, that's a yeah. Uh, I I liked violin and I, it was stressful, but yeah, it was absolutely first instrument that uh, got me excited about things. And I still love classical music when I'm riding in the car uh, quite a bit. I'm I'm listening to classical music still. Yeah. What is North Star Academy? North Star Academy is a uh, it's an online school. It's a high school, uh, but it's one of the I think it's the largest charter school uh, online in the world. And so I have been working with them now for about a year and a half. And I am the director of fine arts for the school, as well as I teach a, a studio music class. I teach two of them and I've, I've loved it. I get, uh, I have students uh, all over the world. I have uh, some in South Korea, down in South Africa, um, all over the States. And so it's been, it's been a blast getting to listen to, a lot of the work from my students that's coming in, I get to, to grade their projects and work through an EP with them. And um, it's been a great program to be a part of. How did you find that or how did you get connected there? It got, it actually got pushed to me from um, someone saw my resume, uh, I believe on LinkedIn and 
so I got pushed as being qualified for it. And they, I, when I started reading about it, I realized that the ability to teach, I wish I knew what I know now at that age. Mm -hmm. And if I could help someone, if I could help one of these students, um, get to that information quick, quicker and, and help them develop, then I, I wanted to be able to, to kind of give back and, and help out. Um, it, it, with that. Is this, um, I mean, could this be a homeschool course curriculum that that families use? Is, is that oh, what yeah, it's designed for? Yeah. So a lot of it, like a lot of the kids are missionaries, and they they're in different places around the world, and there's an it's faith based, and so uh, it it does have um, a great curriculum that is adapted to any any homeschoolers or anything like that. It's a, it's a huge homeschool market um, because it's kind of it's self administered most of it. Like I'm all of my course content is there and then I Skype with my students and is that a one-on-one um, -on -one situation though or is, is it more of a classroom setting in, in that you you are uh, presenting to multiple people Skyping in at once how does that work no there's nothing there's nothing live about it it's one-on-one -on -one with students so I know all of my students by name and it's it's interactive and so it's it's way more intentional as far as applied now they're going through the content on their own and their parents are are still overseeing mm -hmm. and have to sign off but what's great about it is that it's rolling enrollment so a student can start a new class every Monday if they want. Really? Um, and it's, it's, yeah. So I have some students that are in my course that are just starting and I have some, you know, right near the end and they can just keep going. So it, they're all over the place, but it's all in a discussion atmosphere. So they're also interacting with new stuff and with further things along. And so even students helping other students a lot is a, a cool thing to be a part of because um, watching the, it's, there's still a, kind of a spirit to it so are you more involved at the teaching level or more at the more planning and and uh, back end the admin side with your position I, I don't there? handle no I don't handle a lot of the admin I handle it for like in as far as I guess vision as far as casting it I feel like there's a it's a definitely a collaborative effort mm -hmm. um, because there's so many great people in, in the fine arts department uh, but a, a lot of it is just handling and overseeing how the studio class is crafted and, and what information is, is being disseminated. So I can, um, I can write the course, you know, from, from ground up again, I can change whatever I need to. And it's uh, very fluid and it's also adaptable to each student. So what, what uh, does it's it cover? Is awesome. it just music? It kind of covers everything. So there's a huge element of, um, learning actual theory. So learning just the basic piano skills, chords, um, and have it. And the reason that's important is because they have to learn the basic theory in order to work with software and, and understand MIDI, especially and understand MIDI instrumentation. So, um, you know, just looking at a screen with a bunch of dots, you could do mm -hmm. it by ear. But once you know those basics, you can you look at it and know what's what. So. So, yeah, and it, it's great. Um, so I think so that's the a lot of that is directly correlated uh, frequency tests and listening and understanding audio. And as far as like EQs and what sounds are what frequencies and, you know, uh, that's all part of it. And then the, the biggest part is perhaps the actually integration of how to use a doll uh, and how to, to function within it and to create uh, the goal of the, the course is to create um, the ability for them to create their own sound. Mm -hmm. Um, so and I want them to to do that well because you know art is so subjective and as these students hear music and and all of us hear music it's so different so uh, it I'm teaching the the actual both parts of the creative aspect and what to explore and then how to capture it and, the actual, um, and they kind of need the all of those things technical piece of it all absolutely that's that's something I, I should take your MIDI class <laughs> <laughs> you could it's there the back end of MIDI makes my hair want to fall out <laughs> the what's left of it. I just, there's there's I a lot know. of it. It is a it is absolutely a, <laughs> a frustrating fickle beast. It's so powerful, but my goodness, making it work is just at least for me, it's not fun. Until it's, it it's works. definitely that that time thing. Yeah, spending the spending the time doing it and spending as many hours frustrated with it is absolutely uh, the the way to get through. How but much seemingly of, it still doesn't work. <laughs> how much of your, I guess, expertise in the in, in the production industry? was hands-on and how much did you actually learn or did you did you go to school for audio production i didn't go so when i was when i was younger i was surrounded by um, a really great church that had a really 
wonderful sound system and it was well designed and uh, that's just that was what I grew up around and I had people that were able to teach me that stuff um, so much of it and then we were bringing in artists who I was seeing live production and that's when I really got into sound uh, sound design lighting just um, in a live setting predominantly and then it moved into um, figuring out how to no it started with me just plugging in a mic and being like all right this could be cool and then, like, just trying to, yeah <laughs> I had no idea what yeah. I was doing for the longest time and uh yeah, since then I've I've just been able to work with really great producers and um, and in settings <laughs> to, to really educate myself and a lot of learning is just sitting with someone and uh, with YouTube now, man. I, yeah, I wish sure, I had it when yeah. I was younger. I would sit and binge yeah. that if I was you know a kid. Um, but uh, even even now, I'm trying to always expand even what key commands I memorized that'll help me be more effective right. and um, so always reading and studying. But in school, I did I did quite a bit of it and I I was. Uh, I was recording a lot in my music program because uh, we were making all the tracks and everything else for all of our live stuff too then. Did you ever um, look at video production at all? Was that ever part of your thought? Yeah, I did. So I did um, my undergrad. I was I minored in graphic design. And so video was actually a huge part of, of the classes that I took. And I really enjoyed it. But the I didn't want to spend the time editing video because there was only time either editing video or audio then. Right. Uh, and so I I wanted to pursue learning the audio nature above video. Uh, I still learn the basics of it, and I still I actually do a lot of design work because my family owns a printing company. So oh, how about that? I've really? The, yeah. Yeah. So I've done design work my whole life, which is also the reason I did the minor because I knew how to do most of it already, mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, hey, I need another elective for something. So um, it was something a blast. Random. I love. Yeah. I was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I love the aspect of video. I think it's really great. It's merely a time thing right now that I, I would love to dive into that, but there's no way to, to right. structure it. Right. Um, how and what do you do? Are you doing, are you editing videos too? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. With our business, we've started some commercial video. Um, but it, I mean, it's still such a new thing for us and it is, it comes down to time, you know, it, yeah. to sit and to film and edit a one or two minute long piece with music and possible voiceover and multi, you know, multi pieces to throw in there. That's potentially a couple days of time yeah. dedicated yeah, to that absolutely. alone. And that's yeah. one of the things that I always remember. You've, you've heard of Jerry Seinfeld's show comedians and cars getting coffee. Yes. Yes. Um, it's, it's a great fantastic, one. Fantastic. And it's filmed so well. And they, I mean, I cannot imagine their budget. Um, one of the promos a couple seasons ago, it's like a 90-second ad for the show. It took them three months to film that. Oh, man. Now, I mean, sure, they had a lot of car, they had a lot of logistical things to do, but that's the reality of TV and good video. You can't do it fast. Or, or well, maybe you can. I'm sure if you had the right amount of cash, you can. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it all depends on the, the budget and then how many right. cooks are in the kitchen. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, but it, it's, a, it's a blast, and I love, I love it, but it takes a ton of time. And yeah, absolutely. what a lot of, in, in the smaller markets, I mean, Mailbank is not a huge market. Um, and to do, you know, actually go out and film, if someone wants to drag us outside of, you know, our 30-mile radius, it gets expensive. And that's something that most people don't really want to do. Sure. So, you know, it's, I know I, I, I did a, uh, uh, a job that, you know, the, the, it's a six figure bid from, from the big companies and, you know, I, I wasn't near there, so we got the job, but the, the full on do nothing but video production companies around the, the region, uh, they were in the six figure mark and that's yeah. just mind blowing, but it is that whole, you've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in gear and in expertise and time and there's just so much involved that it's it's terrifying really and those are the reasons why i was like i'll wait on this <laughs> right audio's great <laughs> <laughs> yep audio work I'm, I'm enjoying this yeah. and i like music a lot you know so it's um but to be able to do the the music side and the, the video side together is definitely a special thing yeah um do you have uh artists that you like seek out to produce or at this point are you do people contact you directly how, how does that piece of your business work kind of both so the the tune that i'm going to be releasing soon um is a collaboration and 
this artist, um, she, her name is Bray Noel. Uh, we met at a, a school or a, not a school, a big event down in Florida that we were playing. She was speaking and we remedy drive was playing and we just kind of started talking about music and she has, we, she just moved to Nashville. And so we got together to see about writing and, um, I, we got this awesome song that, uh, came out of, it was kind of birthed out of it for, for one of the ideas. And so that, that was something that, you know, we, we both kind of, you, you meet and you find some common ground in what you're doing. And, and that's something that, that will be released under Corey Horn. Uh, that'll be one of mine, but the, okay. um, the, the, a lot of the other artists. So there's a band up in, in your neck of the woods called ever changed, uh, that just released. Um, it's the, by a guy named Justin Blum. He started this project and, uh, they they just started releasing some songs, and I think the album will drop uh, next month. And I met him while I was on the road with uh, Lifelight. Uh, we were doing a tour with Lifelight, and he came out to one uh, show, and we were talking kind of on the tour as we were going, and um, he we got a, a great relationship started, and uh, he decided he wanted to to do a full full length for some of the stuff he was doing, and it we just wrapped it up, and it turned out phenomenal. Uh, so that so that'll be dropping soon, and and I'm really proud of that one. And, well, and Justin's just a, a great guy. Justin Blum. Uh, the band is called Ever Changed. Ever Changed, duh, with a D duh. at the end. Yeah, okay, it is. So um, that that's not out yet, correct? No, not yet. Okay, some of the so I think some coming. of the songs might. I think the lyric videos are up. Uh, there's a couple lyric videos on the website as well as on his Facebook, uh, and so the, I'm I'm sure it's on there. I don't know what the the link is off the top okay. top of my head, but. Uh, it yeah, it's turned out great, and then other artists yeah, I, I'm doing a lot of it's in people that you know in Nashville producers, fellow guys I work with that say hey, can you do this? You know, a buddy of mine's producing a track right now and, and said hey, can you um, can you just do some cellos on this? And mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of stuff comes like that just to do uh, single instruments. I do a lot of vocals and BGVs for people too, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, full, you know, other artists, I do do full stuff. I got uh, another guy named Johnny Poole that I'm working with, who's a, a phenomenal Charlie Puth, Jason Derulo, uh, kind of soulful okay. Michael Jackson stuff that, that I'm working on right now. And then, uh, I don't know, yeah, a number of other things. Uh, it's it's fun to have a bit of diversity, but a lot of it, a lot of it is is inbound, uh, and then you know, selective on on what I'm actually getting to work on. Because again, it's just time, time management too. In the music world, uh, well, how old are you? I'll be 30 on the 23rd of this month. Holy crap! You're so young! <laughs> um, so, how... The the whole digital thing with music production and the way music is actually like consumed now, how has that changed the band world? Band world's tough, as far as... If, depending on what element of the band world you're talking about well are you talking about the touring well record sales for one are totally different than they used to be yeah um absolutely the idea that now well if people stream your music you get essentially nothing um so is it the tour that kind of makes it still doable for a band nowadays or is, is there enough uh possible revenue to make it a job without touring i you can absolutely make a job online uh making it a profession of music whether it's streaming or mm-hmm. licensing or video syncs yeah i mean literally there are so many ways you can sell beats and do all of these things um i, I guess the the question would be like make a living is kind of relative to what your you know what a, a goal is um what, what living is defined as and obviously where you're at but uh there's definitely money to be made in the digital world um, a lot of my stuff it, that i'm doing now uh, i won't even interface with a lot of clients that are coming in uh, it's just all remote i'll do the tracks and we'll send it out and um i won't even have you know so if if someone from millbank says hey i want to record with with cory then uh, we can like with uh, my guy uh, my buddy Justin in South Dakota, he's, mm-hmm. I do, I'm doing the tracks on Nashville and, um, he's coming, he's flying in and do doing vocals and we're kind of going through stuff together. But, um, it, it's my, my goal to make tracks from anywhere for anyone uh, at any point. So it's, it's kind of a wonderful thing to produce artists from afar. And that's the beauty of, of technology is because they can still be very much a part of the, the writing process. Right. And, um, and then it's just, you know, cutting vocals on it. And a lot of times I'll just send it out and have, 
someone contract someone to do it. Well, where and at. that's the thing. Is there is it possible to to really record vocals well remotely? Do you just find someone with with the gear in their area? Yeah. And yeah. Then they just vo- it, yeah. record it raw, then get it to you to to produce it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worked a number of ways. It's really just depending on what they're they're comfortable with. I mean, not a lot of people fly, and a lot of times you can find someone that can mm-hmm. do. A, a decent vocal um and, and send it over and then i can process it and you know do what i want uh, with now, it so. what what is the real um the real need for real high quality recording recorded stuff in today's world now those of us that love music i mean we're the guys that will spend six seven hundred bucks on custom-made headphones and you know high-end studio speakers the consumer though do they care anymore? Is it worth that's the a, that's effort? That's a good question. Is that's it worth the question. effort to really put in to make it, like to record this perfect track? You're, you're using a $3,000 Neumann. It's just, you know, the mics are just perfect and your preamps are insane. And then they crunch it down to an MP3 and listen on their iPod. We actually, I'm, I'm part of a uh, producer's group here in Nashville and we meet quarterly and uh, it's just a bunch of guys that are, are working on music and we sit in someone's studio and we, we listen to each other's mixes and talk about just technique and um, the songs and, and just some of the things just to, to expand our, our horizons and get good feedback. And it's a, a really great group, but this conversation came up last week in our, really? <laughs> our meeting and we were talking about it. Cause there's a lot of guys um, like one guy in particular, Charlie Puth yeah. does a lot of his beats and rhythms on his voice memo and then he'll drag them in uh, and then use them just as that. And so a lot of his beats and things are just beatboxing from his phone or kidding? little, little licks. So yeah, so and then he'll process it from there, and of, of course his stuff sounds phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that are doing stuff like that. There's another guy that um, he's doing rap, and we were talking about him, where he just has, he re- literally released a whole project. It's just called Voice Memos, um, and he records all of his music on his Voice Memos, and he's killing it right now. That's crazy. Um, and so it, there's, it it depends on what your goal is, I guess, mm-hmm. as far as what what the release is. But no, I mean it boils down to people using oodles of money and gear and a lot of people listening on their phones uh, just on their iphone speakers yeah. you know or in their iphone buds so i guess it depends i think there's definitely a quality level to to stuff that um when it's captured but uh it does does it matter to the consumer i don't i don't know that's a that's a great question so i, I you know in that if it doesn't like if, if if we'll decide which you know we don't necessarily but if if we decide that it doesn't matter the 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 start quality is less important than it used to be um does that change the the market i mean it really lowers the barrier for entry greatly oh so quality yeah, anybody quality could wise. now start producing something sure it, is it really just social now i mean if you have a following on social media then you're going to make it no i don't think strictly it depends on the depends on the market you're going for too. Cause you know, in, in the streaming world, there's markets that are bigger than others. There's still money made in it. And the sync world, it's a, it's a whole different type of thing as, as far as what's being pushed. Um, a lot of that cinematic stuff that you'll have and, um, you commercialize stuff if it's like an audio jungle thing, um, or even free, free stuff that's posted all the time. But it, it does dwindle the quality control, I would say, element of what's out there. At the same time, I think it gives a little more validity to people who are doing it well. Um, because as an artist, you most artists that I know don't want to do art or create art with mediocrity. Right. Uh, and so I, I think regardless of the consumer side, you're going to have people that are creating no matter what. And they need to be doing it at a level that is great. Now, the convenience of it is you don't need a full format studio to record phenomenal music you know um there's guys that are recording in garages and closets Mm -hmm. and a lot of my buddies are on the road so they're recording in bathrooms and uh it's just a single mic and a bunch of cool stuff so uh i I think capturing audio is cool i think the artist will keep maintaining a level of quality but um yeah definitely it definitely changes the market and alters the uh the overall product but i also think it's good because people have music now more accessibly everywhere yeah i mean you have you have it in your pocket to to access whatever so um i don't know if the balance of, of the, the people people moving from the the market to streaming 
I, it just depends on what their goal is. If you want to be touring and playing shows, that's a, a totally different thing that you got to kind of undertake as far as uh, getting it out there and then having someone actively booking or you yourself or, or whatever that, that nature is. Um, and at least being open to it. And uh, there's, there's money to be made touring. There's money to be made at home, um, you know, in, in one place. So whether you're in the, your digital world or you're, you're on the touring side, you can definitely find it. But um, being in a band is hard work. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes commitment, uh, consistency, time. Uh, and it's not the, the most glamorous thing if you're wanting to tour. And um, you know, some people that have it, you know, are different levels, obviously. But um, yeah, I'd say anyone that I know that tours is I would say that it is a special person and takes a hard worker to do it, but there is absolutely money to be made if, um, if you get traction. And that yeah. also depends on radio in some markets. I mean, country radio uh, is a huge, huge uh, proponent of that. You're on the road. Like the, the market of country is, is large. Is, the, <laughs> so. is that still kind of a uh, like over-the-air FM radio? Is it still they, a thing? <laughs> I mean, country, like, yeah, country is in, for in sure. the country I, world. Yeah, absolutely. Over over the air is is huge, and then uh, you obviously have um, your Cumulus and iHearts and yeah. uh, people that are, are on the streaming side of it, where you have uh, Sirius XM and um, the satellites. But it it is absolutely a huge market, and still dictates a, a huge. It still holds a pretty good spot. There's just so much uh, currency in that market that it, it will maintain um, regardless. I mean, obviously it'll fluctuate with everything else, but for the most part, I don't see that market dwindling um, just because it's it's a lot of it's old money. Um, well, and I think that is the key. The, the key is it is old money and old infrastructure. Established. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> how, how do you, I mean, YouTube has changed the landscape of what MTV used to be. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. now MTV, do they ever play music anymore? I mean, it's now like pop cultured reality garbage. Yeah, it, I, yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell you the last time I. Yeah, I. I, I saw. I, I, I don't even don't know think about turn it on, nor do I know what's on it right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not really in my my world. No. Um, but I do feel like every time I've heard of it, I immediately attribute it to something like you just described. So, you know. I'm curious though, if you know, because that, now it clearly hasn't been around near, doesn't have the legs as radio. But has the podcast world has the on demand mentality of our of our young culture uh the young the youth in our culture has that changed um over the air radio and do well it has some but do you think it will eventually kill the the over the air radio model i don't know you still have to have broadcast of organizations in a in like a centralized way just to disseminate information um, because there is so much, so there will always be, there will always be some sort of major news source or public radio thing that is happening. Um, I don't foresee that ever going away, particularly when it comes to to media news, because um, there those conglomerates are just too big, and and people have to have that information. Well, but whatever but, is but, given but, to them. But, but the people that watch are not you and I necessarily, are they? Watch what the media or the news? Yeah, no, but the the still we still read the headlines and we ingest so many headlines of those news organizations that I would say that a lot of the news is still uh, originated from those organizations um, that we are often uh, polluted with, if you will. So it's uh, <laughs> depending on how they're coming in and where they come in from. So, um, and that, that can be a different conversation for a different right. day. But the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that we are not watching TV. I can't tell you the last time I watched the news. Oh, there was a storm coming. I checked the news, but mm -hmm. I went to Twitter because there was a guy that's local right. that has right. that. So right. um, I still think a lot of the, the mainstream news that you'll hear about is going to, to not go away. As far as radio and listening, I mean, that's kind of what AM has always been in, in a way. Um, public radio that, that has also been related up to podcast sort of things, but just over air. Well, it um, fascinates me. I've, I've started listening to a lot more public radio in the last six, eight months, just partially because with our podcast network here, um, there are some some ideas within the national public radio model that I really like. I like how they produce some of their shows. 
Uh, I like the idea of having a com- well, I'm not gonna say commercial free because they have commercials, but they just call them something else. Um, but the the idea of a um, a much Sponsors. a small <laughs> right, underwriters of a, a different kind of a of a schedule. I like that. It's a different narrative. 100%. It really is. It's yeah. a completely different yeah. narrative. I agree, and that's that's what I find. I would love if more of that stuff just took over. Right, um, but but it's fascinating. But, if you listen now, um, like I, we are ten miles from the Minnesota border here in South Dakota, and so I listen to Minnesota Public Radio mainly because they have, well, they're more political than our South Dakota Public Radio that I've found, and almost every show that's on there, they are promoting their 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 podcast version by saying, "Tell your smart speaker to play." whatever show it is. And so they, they have figured out that that's how people want the content. And so we got to tell these old people, essentially, because who else listens to mm-hmm. over the air? We got we to tell those people, tell your smart speaker because your kids bought you an Alexa, the thingy that sits on your mm-hmm. counter and listens to you. Your kids bought you one. So just say that. Say, smart speaker, play whatever show. It's it's amazing that that's now where they're going. So all of them at the end of every show, at the beginning, you know, if you want this and this and this, to tell your smart speaker, who paid for that promotion? That's a that's a good <laughs> question because I wonder how it's I wonder how it's going across. I don't know. The, uh, someone's sitting there counting pennies. Oh man. Um, no, it's a it's it's a great point. I think the biggest thing that I could related to is that we now have the, the reason that you know you're talking about how it's converting and, and changing over i think because we never had the accessibility of listening to something while travel like in a car right. i could only listen yeah. to radio yeah. and now i can listen to this thing also mm-hmm. if that show that morning show is only from six to eight a.m and i never am awake at six to eight you know mm-hmm. then then how would i get it well now that's at the power of your fingertips and so um i you know, I think morning shows, people want to, they drive in the morning and they can play a morning show from whenever, from whatever, and uh, they can stream it through at any point. That accessibility to access that information at any time um, is absolutely going mm-hmm. to kill a lot of things if they don't figure out how to conform uh, and evolve. Ultimately, they'll just, they'll die out because people won't, I, won't be awake at those right. times. And that's the nature of the changing of, of humanity from right. technology. Like you, you grow and you evolve to something bigger and yeah. more accessible. I, I think of the New York Times as an example. I mean, they, they, they're they never going to leave. I, I really don't see them ever going away just simply yeah. because they are so big and, and they have just by nature of them being where they are, they I think they have enough readership. But the newspaper model is failing drastically. The print media. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like it's similar in that, you know, that, that old old feel. I mean, you have this warehouse full of a press so you can get through this whole, um, you know, this this printing every day, whereas you could publish something online for how much money? Maybe none, hmm. and then you yeah. have you you your your instant connection, and people like me who I don't want to subscribe necessarily to everything they do. I want to go every piecemeal watch. Well, they if they have a paywall, my first response, I'm out. I yeah. will find the story somewhere else. I, I don't care enough about your specific telling of it that I'm going to pay for access. Just like I, I don't buy newspapers unless there's something specific in that one issue I want. I, I have a hard time subscribing to a newspaper because half of it ends up th- going in the garbage because it's not relevant to me. Sure. But you have to recognize, too, I think that the I, I would say the consumer isn't necessarily the the funding of it. It's, well, with OK, so what you're talking about as far as reading it is one, but the, a large portion of what is pushing those is funding media. Like the times is the advertising mm-hmm. dollars that are associated with it. Right. Um, now granted, obviously you have to have income that's coming in from there, but uh, from the consumer to know that the information is being uh, a- appropriately sent uh, and people are actually seeing it. Right. But the, even still, I think on the digital side of it, there's still going to be a people that want their news digitally that it is you, you can still get flooded with advertising on the digital side of it, even by visiting their site or their mobile or whatever it is, right. even if it's back end yeah. data that we don't know they're collecting. Of, of Wait, whatever, what are you talking you know? about? So, Facebook? <laughs> uh, it, uh, <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> So, I, yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting to, to see how that 
that market is playing out, especially with um, I I love reading the newspaper, so it, it would be a bummer. Now, but that being said, I don't have a newspaper. I don't subscribe to a newspaper. But if there's uh, one sitting at the, the coffee shop, you pick post. it up. I right? do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so do I. I'll grab one if I'm at the doctor's office and there's nothing else to do. But then at the same time, I have my phone, this computer in my hand all the time that I could go get that same story and a hundred more like it just like that. Absolutely. I don't know. And I that just... is interesting in that same world. What's interesting is that I actually got a promo the other day uh, from this company that is seemingly giving away free magazines. I, it sounds like a scam. I've, I've worked with the, co- the company, but the, uh, <laughs> you, you literally just input your address and I've been subscribed now. I got golfers digest, what? Uh, es- Esquire GQ, um, and then a couple other hunting, um, a couple other hunting magazines, and they've all been free, free subscriptions, no, not, no requirements. I got one in the mail yesterday, and I was kind of reading through it. Um, but I would, I wouldn't go buy a magazine at this point. Like, there's no magazine I would Mm-mm. see enough. Maybe if there was some articles and something about some audio guy from a genie, you know, that might not be but accessible that's, but online. That's but that's really specific point, to your interest. It's all though. there. Right, exactly. And told, at which I would find yeah. anyway. So right. unless it's outside of a uh, I, I just uh, I just learned of a guy yesterday who has a podcast that is solely devoted to watches. Watches, <laughs> but like high end watches, and I, I I found him through another podcast he was interviewed on, and so I thought oh, I'll check him out. And it's crazy because he just talks through different watches and why high end watches matter and the stuff about them. And I, okay, again, not something I would ever go purchase. But it intrigues me enough that I'll listen to a couple of those and see what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a. I mean, I would listen to a watch podcast <laughs> about stuff, especially. I mean, why not? I well, love it. it was fascinating. It was one watch they showed. Um, the entire case of it is milled out of one sapphire. Everything about it. That's. It's yeah, stupid. See, that sounds like something I would nerd yeah. out on. Right. But it, it looks like <laughs> right a there. it looks like a fish bowl on your, on your wrist, and every moving part is visible. That is cool. Now, is it worth a yeah. million dollars? No, but it's cool. <laughs> so that that I, kind of yeah, stuff would, is totally it. it's totally cool. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the interweb? Uh, you can find me by going to uh, searching Corey Justin Horn on Facebook. You can see my artist page as well uh, as some of my music on there. You could also check out my studio at thereathstudio.com. And you can see some of the stuff I've been working on there. Instagram, Corey Horn. That's Corey with an E. Uh, I'm sure it'll be typed out too. But yeah, come and find me. Say hello. Awesome. If you have any questions regarding those kind of things, by all means. Uh, do you uh, want to come back to Millbank? <laughs> I do. I actually think I'm going to be up that way soon, aren't I? Well, and somewhere in Minnesota, uh, the next, what, is that next, this weekend? You're in Green Bay. Yes. When do you go to Green Bay? Green Bay tomorrow. I head up there, and then I'll be in Minnesota, and back through Wisconsin for a couple dates. Where in and Minnesota? Then, then we go uh, Isle, Minnesota. Okay. Now this this yeah, show uh, for those that are listening later it was recorded May second. Hey, happy May by the way. We're late, but happy May. I can't believe it's already May. Uh, are you guys warm weather up there yet, or no? Uh, finally, yes, finally. We uh, two weeks ago. The lakes were frozen, and we had snow on the ground. <laughs> Sounds awful. It was terrible, yeah. But the water's still cold, but at least it's moving now. Oh, that, that's a that's a start. We got a, like an 80-degree day now. It finally warmed up, which is great. Well, why don't you go out and get sunburned, jerk? <laughs> <laughs> I got to ride the motorcycle yesterday. Hey, that's uh, exciting. Now, I saw a picture of that. Was that on Instagram? You it threw was, a picture yeah. Of, is this a, um, what is it, a? Naked sport bike? Is this true? No, it's a, it's a Yamaha FZ1, uh-huh. and it's a yeah, that's it's a, a grand leader sport, bike. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh-huh. yeah, it's a, not a little. beast. Um, <laughs> so it's the R1 engines, the racing engines, but it's in a bike that sits up. So it's a sport touring bike, uh-huh. uh, and it's it's real it's not comfortable. full fared. It just has a minimal fairing, correct? Yeah, correct. It doesn't come all the way through. It just a front fairing on it, and um front fairing and then a top light fixture but uh, it's man i've loved it i've i actually just got it out yesterday was the first day it's been out uh, for the season so that was great and then i ride a uh, a honda shadow ace as well and is that the last night it is yeah. uh-huh 
and my, my wife came home yesterday and it was just so beautiful. So we took a sunset ride uh, out around kind of the, the backside of the awesome. city, which is, is woods and beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's amazing to be able to have nice weather to come I home know. and enjoy it. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time. And we had, <laughs> those no one knows, we had some a fair amount of technical issues earlier. But uh, we got it working. And um, But do come back. I mean, if you're ever available again, I'd love to talk to you again. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. This probably great. on our some of our other shows that we do out of here too, uh, to get yeah, it sounds like a get good more time. into the <laughs> the current current events, everyday uh, discussions. It's always fun. Uh, that can all be found at whymillblink.com slash podcasts, or go to whymillblink.com and there's a podcast button on the front. Um, and then from there, you get to see all the shows that originate out of this studio here uh, in Millbank. We're right on Main Street. Uh, and if you have a story you want to talk about, or you ever want to. Come in and watch the show live. That's possible. We have a window, and uh, <laughs> you can't shoot at us. It's bulletproof, so we're good. Um, but <laughs> but thanks for listening, um, Corey. Thanks again. I really appreciate you uh, coming down and coming down. You know what? You almost came down. You probably could have close. in the amount of time that we <laughs> we fought with the technical yeah. piece. But hey, what man, it's a been a blast, man. Thanks <laughs> awesome. so much. Absolutely. Um, let's do it again. Thank you, sir. This is the interview of Wine Building Podcasts. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>